I was writing in the early morning in bed, in the dark, you know, me and my laptop glow. And I put myself in that world, in that sort of little cone of light. And if I'd written this book in the reality of daylight, maybe it wouldn't have worked so much, but I think I was in that magical hour. Welcome to the Friends and Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Four New York Times bestselling authors, one rock star librarian, and endless stories. Join Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry, along with Ron Block. As novelists, we are four longtime friends with 70 books between us. And I am Ron Block. Please join us for fascinating author interviews and insider talk about publishing and writing. If you love books and are curious about the writing world, you are in the right place. Welcome to a holly jolly episode of Friends in Fiction Writer's Block podcast featuring one of our own. It is time to celebrate the release of The Santa Suit by Mary Kay Andrews, who some of you may or may not have heard of. And she is my guest today on the podcast, and I'm so thrilled because I read this book this week, and there's a lot I want to say about it, but I'm going to let her start. So welcome, Mary Kay. Thank you, Ron. It's great to be here with you on the eve of Christmas in Atlanta, where it's a wintry 86 degrees. (laughs) I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) Okay, so let's dig in. So the Santa suit, why don't you give us like the overall brushstroke of what the story is? Yeah, the Santa suit is a story of Ivy Perkins. She lives in Atlanta. She's just come through a bruising divorce. Her ex has betrayed her with their biggest client. She's been in business with her husband in a marketing business. So she gets a divorce and she decides she needs a do-over on everything. On a whim, she goes online and she decides to buy an old white farmhouse in the mountains of North Carolina. And she buys it sight unseen. So she packs up all of her stuff and her dog, Pumpkin, We love Pumpkin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Pumpkin Perkins and Ivy drive up to this little town in the mountains, and they arrive at Four Roses Farm the week before Christmas. And Four Roses is not really what she anticipated. It's uh, dilapidated. And a man meets her in the driveway, and he tells her he's her real estate agent, Ezra. And as I said... Ivy's bought this house without ever walking through it. Mm -hmm. And she's pictured her real estate agent, Ezra, as being a kindly old gentleman in a bow tie and a sweater vest. (laughs) But what she gets is hot Ezra. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And so the farmhouse is dilapidated. And to her surprise, she bought it from an estate. And all the former owner's belongings, most of them are still there. And the agent tells her, that Four Roses Farm was owned by Bob and Betty Ray Rose, who were Mr. and Mrs. Santa for this community for 40 years. So every year they decorated the house, lit it up, and they played Mr. and Mrs. Santa Claus for the community for 40 years. So um, the first night Ivy is in the house by herself, she dumps all the clothes out of the closet because it comes complete with the previous owner's old lady clothes. And on the top shelf of the closet, she finds a beautifully wrapped box with Christmas paper. And in it is a beautifully made vintage red velvet Santa suit. 
And in the pocket of that Santa suit, she finds a crumpled up note in childish handwriting. And it's a Dear Santa note. And it starts the ball rolling. (laughs) It does. It's such a... The book is so full of magic, and there's so much about uh, place and time and small townness. How did you research all of that and pull that together? You know, I just, I put myself in that place. And, you know, I guess we can talk about this at some point, but I wrote this last fall. I started working on it right after I turned in The Newcomer, because I turned in The Newcomer early for the first and only time in my career. (laughs) And I was writing in the early morning in bed, in the dark, you know, me and my laptop glow. And I put myself in that world, in that sort of little cone of of light. And if I'd written this book in the reality of daylight, maybe it wouldn't have worked so much. But I think I was in that magical hour, that magical time when it's not really night, it's not really day, it's it's, um, it's dusk. Or no, it's dawn. It's dawn. I'm sorry. D- dusk is later. Dawn is morning. Yeah, it starts with a D. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you really kind of sprung it on us. We didn't know that uh, we were going to get this amazing gift uh, for the holiday season this year. So why no. why did you keep it quiet? You know, I was afraid. <laughs> I was afraid my editor and my agent would say, "Stop! Don't do that. You don't have a book <laughs> under this book. Is not what we were paying you for." Um, you know, I since my first book. I I sold my first book in 1991 and I've never written a book on spec. That's what you call it. Writing writing on spec without a contract since. And so I was nervous. I didn't know if my editor would like it or my agent would like it. Um, I did confide to my um, friends and fiction sisters um, what I was up to. We had been talking about doing this at our, we had our first retreat last November um, at our my beach house on Tybee, Ebb Tybe. And one of the gals brought it up. Oh, let's do a Christmas anthology or let's all do Christmas stories. And I said, no, absolutely not. Mm-mm, not doing that. <laughs> but I was driving. I don't know where I was going, but I, I was going to or from Savannah, I think. And I called Patty Henry, one of the gals. And I said, hey, I've got this idea for a book about an old Santa suit with a note in the pocket. And so we started, we've been doing these 7 a.m. writing sprints. And Patty was finishing up a holiday book, The Wardrobe. And uh, so we are both writing, working on these holiday books at the same time. And then Christy Woodson Harvey, who is a phenom, she just uh, popped up. <laughs> she popped up one morning and said, I think I'll write one too. And by the time, you know, she wrote a book that's twice as long in my, as mine in half the time. But I was I was really nervous about it. I was self-conscious and I thought I'm not going to tell I'm not going to tell my age and I did tell him when I was about halfway through cuz I knew he would be asking like what are you doing? <laughs> um, so I told him and then he told my publisher when I was about 2 thirds of the way through and and they said, "Yeah, okay, go ahead. <laughs> what do we got to lose?" And look what we have in our hands now. I, this is just such a charming book. Um but I do also want to make sure that people know that it's not your average little story. There are lots of surprises in here. Yeah, We're not going to give them away, but there are lots of surprises. So come for the holiday cheer, for the good feel, but uh, you'll, you'll stay for the, 
the, the stories and especially for the characters. So let's talk about the characters a little bit. Each character actually felt so very real and true to me as a reader. Um, I could actually imagine being part of their lives and knowing them in that town and that setting and everything. And I just immersed myself into it. And I think I texted you that it made me want to like, bake fudge and decorate for Christmas already. It was really, it, it really did a number on me. Um, but talk about the characters, how you developed them and where they came from. What's their origin? Well, Ivy, of course, was the first character to um, manifest herself. And then very quickly after that uh, came Ezra, the hot real estate agent. And then I had her meet a young woman who's the city clerk. Um, and she, I think her name is, is her name Phoebe? I can't even remember. Yes. Phoebe. Yeah. Phoebe is the city clerk and that's Phoebe's her first friend in this town. Um, and she's asking Phoebe if she knows anything about the previous owners of Four Roses Farm. And, um, as I said, Ivy's found this note in the pocket of the Santa suit, um, from a little girl named Carlette. And she asks Phoebe if she knows any Carlettes. And so Phoebe, you know, they sort of become friends very quickly. And Phoebe, as it turns out, is very excited about Christmas because she is going to marry. She's gotten engaged to a man she's met online. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, it turns out that Phoebe hasn't been exactly honest with her online bow. And you know, the idea for that came because I'm always on, if people follow my social media, especially on Instagram, I'm always getting friend requests or follow requests from scammers. Who, and they're always, you know, invariably they're generals in the army and they're flight surgeons and they're kind, loving single fathers. And of course they're all scammers. They're never what they pretend to be. And I always block them immediately. But I thought, you know, a young girl like Phoebe, um, from a small town and she's pretty naive. Maybe she, maybe she would fall for this guy. Yes. Yes. That's such a great, um, part of this, of the whole book, <laughs> how that all plays out. Um, we also have met, uh, Lawrence. Who Lawrence. Yes. I love, I love crotchety old men. And that's why I love you, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I did ask you if I could play him in the movie. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes. I, you know, I think you're actually, I'm afraid to tell you, you're too young to play Lawrence Jones. <laughs> but Lawrence. Makeup. Makeup. <laughs> yeah. Lawrence uh, lives alone and he's, he's pretty spry. And he's lived in this house for many years. And Lawrence, uh, Lawrence is lonely. And so one day Ivy knocks on his door and asks him some questions and they become friends. And Lawrence particularly likes pumpkin Ivy's dog who um, visits with him. So um, yeah, I really love, I love a cranky old man. I mean, I'm married to one. <laughs> <laughs> he's not listening. Is he? <laughs> no, he's mowing the lawn. I can't okay. believe you can't hear it. He, whenever I'm doing a podcast or a webcast or whatever, invariably he feels the need to start blowing with gas blowers or mowing. So of course, <laughs> or the dog or someone comes to the door and the doorbell rings and the dogs go berserk. That's my life. That is, that uh, sounds very typical, very typical. So um, through 
the story. We we you also touch on some very very um, important and relevant topics, and one of them is that we the little girl um, who wrote the note. Her name is Carlette. We learned that her father had been MIA in Vietnam. So can you talk right. about that and 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 weaving that into the story and uh, and why? Um, I, the note that that Ivy finds in the Santa suit says, "Dear Santa, my mommy's sad all the time." Please, all I want for Christmas this year is for you to bring daddy home from the war. Signed, your friend Carlette. And so Ivy, of course, her imagination, um, her curiosity is piqued. She sets about trying to find out not only who is Carlette, but did her daddy come home from the war? Right. And so what she finds out is that, um, and I don't think this is a spoiler. Do you think this is a spoiler, Ron? Yeah. <laughs> it is. If I say that her daddy is MIA. Oh, no, no, no. That's not a spoiler. Right. Her daddy um, did not come home from the war. Ivy finds that out pretty quickly. Her daddy was MIA in Vietnam. And so I went down that rabbit hole. I started researching what happens. And, you know, they're still digging up remains um, in remote parts of the jungle in Vietnam from soldiers. Um, especially ones who died in um, crashes like um, Carlette's daddy died in a Everett died in a um, helicopter crash. And so uh, I finally had to like say, you have to come out of this hole. You can't make this whole book about that. But it was really interesting and it touched me. You know, I'm, I'm at the age I'm 67. And so I'm old enough to remember when I was in high school, we wore bracelets for uh, POWs and MIAs, and they had the POW and MIA uh, soldiers' names on them. Yep. So um, I remember that. And then some people wore dog tags and stuff. So uh, I just thought it was important to, um, you know, when you're, writing a, when you're writing a Christmas novel, you want it to be heartfelt and heartwarming and like a warm cup of cocoa, but you can't have light without dark. You need that contrast, I think. And so, um, and Ivy's, you know, come out of a kind of a dark, lonely place. So um, I think I think the best way to do that is to say, well, yeah, there's been some sadness. All of us have had some sadness in our lives. But um, the way you, you know, you move forward through that if you can. And so um, that was the reason to do that. And it was really good. And I think that's part of what draws the reader in is that it's not just um, they did this, they went there, they're here. It's really the people are really, well, for lack of a better term, they've got meat on their bones. They have a story and, and you really tell it so beautifully that um, you, you just cheer for everybody or not. <laughs> but you but you really have strong feelings about each of the characters. Um, so let's talk also about um, Christmas books in general. This is your fourth Christmas book. Yeah. Do you approach these differently than, since you just talked about it a little bit, do you approach these differently than your summer books? I do. Um, When I wrote my first Christmas book, it was um, Blue Christmas, and that came out and I had to look it up, came out in 2006. And um, it was actually my editor's uh, idea at the time. She said, my daughter was getting married and I was like, I got to pay for a wedding. And she said, well, I know how you can, I know how you can do that. You could write a Christmas novella. And I want you to write about Savannah at Christmas, the characters that I'd written about before, um, Wheezy and Bebe from Blue Christmas, or, or from uh, Savannah Blues and Savannah Breeze. And I said, I don't know how to do this. And one thing she said was, 
because you're writing a novella, it's a fairly compact story. It helps if your characters have some kind of established relationship. And uh, it also helps if you have a closed-ended story. And I so I started reading other Christmas novellas. And uh, one of my favorite ones I read when I was getting ready to write uh, Blue Christmas was Fanny Flagg's Redbird Christmas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which was sweet, um, but it wasn't saccharine sweet. I, I really don't want to write a story that's so saccharine sweet um, it hurts your teeth. I right. want to write a story, you know, that's realistic but heartwarming. And um, so, yeah, close-ended story. It helps if the now the characters in the Santa suit don't know each other to begin with. But um, so that was a bit of a hurdle getting them, getting Ivy insinuated into that community quickly. And and a good way to do that is if you have um, a tight time period. I mean, it's just the week before Christmas. It's not ages and ages and ages. Um, so after I wrote um, Blue Christmas, before I wrote that, I wrote I wrote a, a mystery series, the Callahan Garrity mystery series. And I wrote a, a Christmas book in that series called Midnight Clear. And, um, and that was another book that the characters were continuing characters. And there was a, a strong family element to that story. Um, <clears throat> There's a question about um, Callahan's brother, um, who's sort of the um, bad seed of the family. Um, up until I wrote that book, I didn't even know she had a brother. <laughs> 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 and then um, I wrote uh, I wrote Christmas Bliss. Um, I guess that book has been out about eight or nine years, and that's another of the Savannah series. So again. I want, you know, and each one comes with different challenges, a different set of characters. And, and for me, um, I write these big, long, complicated plots. And so for me, it's a great, um, it's a great exercise in, you know, plotting something that's smaller and more compact and not as complicated. Yes, yes. I think this, this, these give you more of an opportunity too to put more of you in the book. As I was reading it, I, I went, "Oh, I know where that came from." Oh, I kind of <laughs> know where that came from because of all your hugely popular social media. There's a lot of um, vintage Christmas items in the mm -hmm. in the book. There's, a, as you said, the um, internet trolls and <laughs> do try. Yeah, and there's cottage porn. Um, yep. <laughs> you know, I love to fix up an old house, and yep. and Ivy is not a is not accustomed to doing that. So Ivy's a city girl. And the other part of it I forgot to mention was I love a city mouse country mouse story, <laughs> and so that was fun to write. She's a fish out of water. She's a city mouse and the country mouse, and there actually are mice in the house, so that helps. That does help, <laughs> and chickens for a time. Oh, chickens! Yes. <laughs> Yes. Can't forget the chickens. No. They get their own little cottage. <laughs> yeah. Do you do that on purpose or is it just something that kind of comes to you as you're writing these? I think it just sneaks in there. Um, not every book has it. Um, the newcomer didn't have a whole lot of it because she was living in a motel room. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and there wasn't any, there wasn't much vintage in that one either. Um but then you, you know, I write a book like Little High Tide Club or, although there wasn't that much of that in there, but The Fixer Upper was the, was the ultimate cottage porn, <laughs> house porn 
plot. So this, yes. yeah, this one I needed. Ivy had to have something to do. <laughs> and she had to show how inept and out of her out of her depth she felt. I mean, the heat doesn't work. The hot water heater doesn't work. There are mice in the attic. Um, and so she needs those challenges. And, and what a great tool for her to really get to know the people in the community, the people that um, are just so kind. There's a lot of kindness in this book. I yeah, just, she's reluctant. She's coming from the big city. She's very suspicious about people just offering her unsolicited help. I mean, she's she's very suspicious when Ezra, the real estate agent, um, wants to help her do something as simple as unlock the front door. Right. Um, so uh, it's hard for her to um, accept, to ask for help, and then to accept help and and uh, and to make friends in this small community. You know, she just really wants to burrow away and hide that first Christmas there. She doesn't feel Christmassy. And her friend, her new friend, Lawrence, tells her, you're never too old to make a new friend. And that's that's sort of the that's sort of a through line for the Santa suit. It absolutely is. And yes, the candy shop owner. Oh, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one, too. Uh, so I heard a rumor that mm-hmm. you've been accused of reverse engineering a Hallmark Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what my, Just a rumor. <laughs> my agent said that. He said, you, re- you have reverse engineered a Hallmark movie. And um, I sort of didn't know what that meant. Um he told me, and I think what it really means as is that you put the elements that you generally see in a Hallmark story. And, and there's not a single F-bomb in this book, by the way, Ron. I hope you noticed that. I did notice that. I was yeah. looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> My characters sometimes have a tendency uh, with some salty language. Mm-hmm. So I tried to leave that out of the Santa suit and... Um, there is one romantic scene, but it really just consists of some some tossed quilts, I think. Something like that. Something like that. It's very tasteful. And it's between two chickens, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah, it's really between chickens, so you would never even notice it. That's out in the chicken house. Um, but, you know, I, I wrote um, – People say, well, you wrote another Hallmark movie. I didn't actually write a Hallmark movie. I, no. I wrote a premise for um I wrote a premise for a story called um Mary and Bright. Yes. Yep. And uh that was all it was. It was a premise. And to my surprise, my shock and awe, my uh Hollywood agent sold it to Hollywood, to Hallmark. <laughs> and so they made a, a Christmas movie called Mary and Bright a couple years ago and it takes place at a candy cane factory. Yep. Um, and, but the, the movie itself has almost no relationship to the premise I wrote, but you know, I cash the check. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't Absolutely. you? Absolutely. Now Here. I can say, yes, I, I have a, Oh, and I got producing credit too. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Without you. ever leaving the comfort of my home. I got a, a, a Hallmark movie um, producing credit. Does that mean you have an IMDB page? I don't know. I need to check that. I think if you look at the IMDb, IMDb page for Marion Bright, and there's more than one Marion Bright movie, by the way, mm-hmm. make sure you get no shoddy substitute. <laughs> Marion Bright. Well, in my house last season, I, every few days I'd hear up this from up from downstairs. I'd hear like. 
Barry Case movie's hot again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had a we had a, a watch party over here. Uh, I ordered uh, online. Everybody got matching plaid pajamas. It was nice. quite festive. That is festive. So and the Santa suit, again, as I said before, it's just full of magic and hope and kindness. And it reminds me of an old song that was kind of running through my head. We need a little Christmas, which is, I think, from the Rosalind Russell film. Um, yeah, Annie Mame. Annie Mame. Uh, but, and I've heard you use the phrase, too, we need a little Christmas. So talk about why we really do need a little Christmas right now. Well, normally I hate it when you go to Target and... Um, you know, in September, they're taking down the Halloween stuff that got, that they put up in July. Right. And they're putting Christmas out. But I think this year, last year, you know, we've come out of a dark place with the pandemic and so much loss in this country and so much fear and anxiety, you know, after the election last year. It was just a dark time last year. And that was one of the reasons to write this book. So I wanted to bring some shine, some light and bring some warmth and some joy um, into, you know, my readers. And um, I hope that's what I've done. I want to, I always want to make people smile. I always want my readers. And I, I think about them all the time when I'm writing, I want them when they turn that last page, I want them to sigh and say, ah, I wish I could start all over again. I wish I hadn't already read it. And that's what I want. I want to give you a big, juicy, sweet candy cane, chocolate coated, sea salt, warm hearted Christmas story with just a little salt, not a lot of salt. Yeah. 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 It's, it's a difference between giving somebody a, like a, a, um, a piece of very inexpensive chocolate or a piece of Godiva chocolate or something. Which I just ate a handful of. It's so gross. I think it's made entirely out of candle wax. It's, I, yeah, the, I heard there's a shortage of cacao. And so it's, it's really reducing the, the quality of chocolate products. Yeah. I, this was just some cheap chocolate my daughter bought to put, to put out as decorations at the launch party in Atlanta coming up. And I thought, oh, I'll have a handful of that. I'm angsting because I'm going out on tour Sunday. Mm -hmm. And I was like, ooh, I wish I hadn't wasted those calories. <laughs> <laughs> now, so, my chocolate of my book is is warm, delicious, Ghirardelli yes. salted chocolate. Yes, salted caramel. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you you mentioned your launch. And you yes. always do such an amazing job at MKA World Headquarters when you're going to launch a new book, you have lots of activities, you give a lot of yourself to people. So talk about um, what you've got in store for the Santa suit. Well, the Santa suit, uh, the party will be over by the time this uh, podcast comes out, but we do, uh, we do door prizes. Um, we always have a signature cocktail. This year's signature, signature cocktail. Our sponsor is Cathead Vodka. So we, we're going to make a little something called Santa's Little Helper <laughs> with cranberry juice. You can see me making it on uh, my Instagram page. And delicious bites of food and fun. We're going to have Naughty Santa. Oh, So that ought to be fun. I, unfortunately, with COVID precautions, I can't ask, I can't allow people to sit on Santa's, Naughty Santa's lap. But he'll be circulating and people can have their photos made with him. And then we'll do another launch. And we're the door prize um, proceeds, you buy raffle tickets, those will go to um, a great Atlanta charity called Helping Mamas that um, provides um, diapers, 
infant formula, baby food, and period products for moms um, who need some help. And then in Savannah, Monday, um, we're doing a launch there. And um, the proceeds from those tickets will go to, in fact, the event is sponsored by um, Childhood. It's called Cure for Childhood Cancer. So those proceeds will uh, benefit childhood cancer. That's amazing. What a great way to give back and um, and for readers who are already huge fans of yours to love you even more. The um, Christmas time. Let's talk about Christmas time. I suspect that that's your favorite time of the year. I have just a feeling. I don't know. <laughs> but tell me what, what, what Christmas means to you, how you celebrate, um, what are your, some of your favorite parts of it? Well, we buy the tree usually Thanksgiving weekend. And then uh, after several hours of bickering and death threats, um, my <laughs> husband has it, <laughs> puts it up. We always buy a fresh Fraser fur in the living room. And he, um, he and he alone puts the lights on that tree. They must be white twinkle lights of a specific kind. And they must be spaced with engineering precision. And then he steps away and I fling as much stuff on that tree as I can. <laughs> I have a huge collection of vintage shiny bright ornaments and old ornaments I've been collecting for, gosh, 30 years probably. And uh, the front of the house gets lit up with white lights, never colored lights. No, no. Mm -mm. No, no. No, it must mm -mm. be colored lights. Every year we have an argument about you are not allowed to get up on a ladder. You cannot get up on the roof. I go inside and then I look out. He's up on the roof. So that happens. Ugh. We go to midnight mass, but it's not at midnight. We go at about five o'clock because of the young grandchildren. We come back to my house and we have the ritualistic baked ham, big ass ham <laughs> and green beans and mac and cheese. And everybody can open one present that night. And then the next morning, Bedlam ensues. We have specific dishes for breakfast. And then we basically eat and gorge ourselves for 48 hours straight. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. And then we fall into a food coma. <laughs> exactly. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, that's easy. White Christmas. Ah, there you go. Yep. Yeah. I, in fact, I when I wrote Midnight Clear, my first Christmas book, I had a costumer make me a replica of Rosemary Clooney's dress, Mrs. Santa Claus dress from the finale of White Christmas. Now, I still have it, but I can no longer wedge myself into it because I've had it for 20 years. So and I don't I, yeah, that was my body 20 years ago. But if you look at the on my um, social media, you'll see a picture of me in the Mrs. Santa Claus dress. Oh, what a cool behind the scenes. Story. I, I just yeah. saw that picture this morning. Yay. Now I know you and Rosemary Clooney. Yeah, me and Rosemary. What tunes do you have spinning in your ears around Christmas? Well, my favorite is the Phil Spector Merry Christmas to You album that he made with all of the Phil Spector groups. And of course, my favorite song off of that, these are all songs from the late 50s, early 60s, is Christmas Baby, Please Come Home with the incomparable mm -hmm. Darlene Love. Yes, yes, that's awesome. See, you brought me right back. I want to go make some fudge now. <laughs> this is horrible. Okay, before I let you go, I have a few last questions. One is, who are you casting in the movie? I might know a really good-looking realtor. <laughs> uh, oh, God, yeah. Jeff Curtis would be an awesome Ezra. 
Great idea. I'll as soon as we sell those movie rights, my people will call your people. Okay, that's or good. call Jeff's people. <laughs> you know, I don't think about that that much. I should, but I I just don't. I'd be happy to take casting suggestions. Okay, we'll we'll put that out there uh, when yeah. we release the podcast and see who people think because by then everyone will have read this book. So Christmas, since we're talking about it, is always also a time for people to give. And we talk about gifts and things. And Friends in Fiction has been such a gift to readers internationally, really internationally. Yeah. And growing numbers all the time. But what has the Friends in Fiction phenomenon given to you? It's given me an appreciation for what my hard work means to folks. I love the community that has formed around us and they're caring, giving people. They've made friendships online and then they meet up. What we've discovered is when we last year, we finally did some live events and we're going to do some live events together in Florida in October. We found out that people have, you know, they're like, oh, you live in Atlanta. I live in Atlanta. Let's Let's meet up and have a drink. And that's that's really been wonderful. And the idea that that books are It's not us that's the glue. It's books that's the glue of this community. The common love for books and ideas and also the the people's willingness to open themselves up to new books, new authors, and new viewpoints. And I really love that. That's been amazing. That is so beautifully said. Uh, we're going to end with me wishing you a very Merry Christmas, even <laughs> though it's only October. And the mantra for the season is buy her book, damn it. Absolutely. We need a little Christmas right this very minute. We do. We do. So thank you so much for joining me for this. It's been lovely. As you know, I just love the Santa suit and I know everybody else is going to love it too. Thank you, Ron. I appreciate that. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to this special episode. Did you know that we've just launched a bookshop.org affiliate page? Just go to the website and search for Friends in Fiction. There you'll be able to purchase the latest books from the Friends in Fiction authors, but also those of every guest on both the Wednesday live shows and every podcast guest. All purchases help support local independent bookstore. We're so glad you joined us here and have been listening. And please tell a friend. Thank you for tuning in to the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. Tune in every Friday for another episode. And you can also join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live Friends in Fiction show airs at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.